Hello, welcome to the Emerald Skies podcast. I'm Jess Seely, and we're here to talk all things holistic health, well-being, and spirituality. On my healing journey, I've discovered incredible modalities and practices that have enhanced my life in ways that I really can't put into words. The thing is, they're outside of the mainstream, and that causes apprehension when I share them with others. So this show exists to break down those barriers, because I want you to experience more magic in your life. I have incredible guests who are here to share with us the wisdom from their niche field and help you feel emboldened to try new things on your own path. Take what works, leave what doesn't, keep an open mind, and I hope you find something new calling for you. Hello, Janessa Stearns. Welcome to the Emerald Skies podcast. Thank you so, so much for joining me. How are you going? Very good, Jess. I love having the time to be with you and chat about all things parenting. Yeah, I'm really excited to share your wisdom. Well, if we jump right in, where in the world do you live at the moment and what does your day-to-day look like? I live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's like an East Coast beach city. And... My day-to-day, I mean, right now we're in this COVID setting, so it's a little bit different than it was because I own a Montessori school and my Montessori school is temporarily closed. So now I've had like a real luxurious time being home with my children for those months um, that the school was closed and now we're just entering our summer season where we would be closed anyway. So it is a lot more free. The structure of my day is a lot more free and a lot more playful. And yet it's learning a new dynamic of having three kids home and still wanting to have creative time and still wanting to have meditative time and still having a structure that really honors my needs and also honors their needs. Yeah. Big challenge. (laughs) So many people, I think, really challenged by this new phase of like homeschooling and putting structure in place and discipline around learning and then play and where do I get my mum time? So, yes, you touched on your own a Montessori school. I would love to jump right in and ask you, what is Montessori and how did you open or come to open your school? I love talking about Montessori. I feel like um, Montessori is actually a a woman named Dr. Maria Montessori, and she's been passed on to the spirit world for quite some time. I actually feel like she's a spirit guide to me. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like I access, like she came here with a powerful mission. Uh, She was the first female doctor to attend a medical school in Italy with all men, and she really studied how the brain developed. And so in learning how the brain developed, she created a system for learning for children from zero to six based on very sensitive periods of when your brain forms certain neurons. And Mm -hmm. so I just like, I eat it up and love it because the Montessori philosophy starts at birth and it goes to six. Mm -hmm. And she really created a hands-on learning. She created lessons that really activate the mind and the full potential of a child. And it's a well-rounded style. It's not just academic learning. It's really like represents the whole human. Yeah. So, oh, and how I got into it is 
that my mom owned a school. So when I was born, she studied everything about education to try to figure out what was going to be the best path to raise me. And she created the first Montessori school, well, her first, in a basement of our house in New York. And all the kids from the neighborhood like would come to our school. And it was amazing, like just a gorgeous space. Like Montessori really cares about structure and beauty because everything the child absorbs through their senses is like received and learned. So you really want this like beautiful, light, bright environment that just nourishes a child's senses and doesn't overstimulate. So it was very natural. We had outdoors and horses and goats and dogs and bunnies and Mm. gardens and all the stuff to make learning like really hands-on and really well-rounded. Yeah. When you said in New York, I'm thinking like a basement of a home in the city, but it's not not the case, obviously. (laughs) I was born in New York City and then I lived there for my first two years of life. But when I was two, we moved to a country. It was like Mm. about 60 miles north of New York City and Mm. it was all trees, like 15 acres. We lived on 15 acres. Well, I don't know if you use acres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. So it was a big property, lots of land, lots of greenery, just beautiful outdoor natural setting. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. What an an upbringing, what an opportunity. I I would love to take that just a little bit further. So somebody's got a child and they're looking at, say, early learning right now. What would a day in the life of Montessori look like? Um, I know one of the misconceptions we've chatted about is people think there's no barriers or there's no boundaries and that's not the case but what what do they do so when I take um, parents on a tour of my school we really have an infant program that's from six weeks old like if parents have to go back to work with like a very tiny maternity leave we can accept babies like really little Um, and then that infant goes six weeks to 18 months and so when I take somebody into the infant classroom like what they see in a Montessori classroom is there's no high chairs there's no boppy chairs there's no swings there's no containers at all that restrict the baby's movement and so when you have a newborn baby from zero to six months and they may or may not be even crawling yet or sitting yet they really are not propped up or contained in anything because Montessori taught us that their brain development was directly linked to their large motor control. So every time they wiggled their toes or moved their feet or moved their arms and legs, they were actually forming neurons in their brain. And every Mm -hmm. time you put them in a tiny um, car seat or you put them in a tiny swing or you put them in a little walker, you were containing and restricting their free movement and you're actually limiting their brain from forming. So that is the first thing that most parents are shocked by because when they go into a traditional daycare setting, the first thing most parents see are containers. They see Mm -hmm. a swing, they see a jumper, they see a walking thing, everything to like keep a child safe in a tiny container. And that's really 100% contrary to like the philosophy of Montessori. Montessori wants a baby to have unrestricted vision and unrestricted movement so that their brain really develops through their free movement. So that's in the baby section. But again, like 
we wouldn't put a baby in a high chair to feed them, we would hold them. If they're not strong enough to sit, they would sit on your lap being held in your arm and you'd feed them with a spoon. Mm -hmm. And then when they finally have their own core strength to sit on their own, we have tiny little tables that are like 10 inches off the ground and tiny little chairs where their feet can touch the floor so that they learn to sit wow. without, a, without a seat belt, without a strap, without like high chairs try to like lock you in because a child might want to move. So again, you're trying to restrict the child's movement and impose your will on them versus teaching them how to sit nicely at meals and mm -hmm. sit with your feet on the floor and stay seated. Cause a lot of parents like see their kids wanting to like run away or move or feed them while they go. And we're showing them like, no, you can really teach very young children to sit for meals. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then so from um, the next um, age group up, how would that look? Yeah. So toddlers, like when they get into a toddler class, they already have really good receptive language because in the infant program, we're talking very clearly to them. We're allowing their language to boom from zero to 12 months. And then when they're moving into toddlers, they already understand simple things like, let's put our shoes on, we're gonna go outside, let's wash our hands now, it's time for lunch. So they'll hear little two and three letter or two and three word sentences and understand those. Mm -hmm. And so when they come into the toddler class, like we, they're only 18 months old, they're under two, but we're asking the parents to bring indoor and outdoor shoes so that kids can practice putting on outdoor shoes, using fine motor control, because really when they're in infants, it's large motor, like moving your body, but when you get to toddlers, like you're trying to learn how to put your shoe on with your fine motor, and that again is how your brain develops, like you're moving from really large motor movement to like learning how to use your fine motor fingers mm. so they'll get they get to come into the toddler class and like carry a little lunch box and put their lunch box away and take off their outdoor shoes and put on their indoor slippers and then they get to go choose work and so our our lessons or our toys are not toys even though they look like toys they're really it's lessons and they have to choose one at a time and they have to choose a rug first so that they can't just take things. And most kids want to like, try this, try this, try this, try this. So Montessori learns how to expand their attention span, expand their focus, expand their ability to concentrate at a really tiny age. So 18 months old, under two year olds are learning a lot of simple steps to slow a process down so that they're really able to concentrate. So you see a whole classroom of tiny under two-year-olds learning how to carry a rug, unroll a rug, take a lesson out, bring it to the floor, work on their lesson, yes. put their lesson away, roll up their rug. So it really is like amazing. Yeah, they're learning practical and process skills and patience yes. as well. It's not like I want the toy now. It's Right. And taking turns and all the kind, you know, grace and courtesy on how to interact with others. We say in the infant classroom, the world revolves around the infant because they're just brand new babies into this world. And when they move into the next class, a toddler class, they have to learn how to fit into the world. So now uh -huh. the world doesn't revolve around them anymore. It's like a practice to learn how to fit into a community, to fit into a classroom. 
and to share with others. Yeah, fascinating. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> right. Um, most most people are not aware of like how much goodness these children are capable of. Yeah. And then so after toddlers, what age does your Top, kindergarten go to? We have from the next class is called primary and it's for three to six year olds. So that's yeah. the end of my class and my school. And the three to six year old class is really phenomenal. So like three year olds already have learned how to use the toilet because two-year-olds have already been potty trained in our toddler class. So when they get to the three-year-old class, all they're ready for is academic learning um, because they've learned how to put on their shoes. They've learned how to button their shirt. They've learned how to use a toilet. They've learned how to wash their hands. They've learned to eat independently and clean up their dishes and put their stuff away so that when they're in the primary class, they really have language where three-year-olds are learning three and four letter words, how to spell, how to write. They have a science category where they're really learning um, the continents and have maps of the world with the seven continents, with the different countries. Then they have matching flags to match the different countries and the uh, different states within the countries. Wow. So they have um, math and math is really amazing. Like Montessori created a system in math that builds on each other so that children really master number zero to 10. Then they really master the teen board and then they really master units, tens, hundreds, thousands. So they really have like this ability to keep progressing as fast as they want or as mm. slow as they need. Mm. So again, children get to go at their own pace. Some are going to excel in reading and just go, but they might avoid math. You have to help <laughs> them try to practice math. And some yeah. might really excel in math, but really avoid reading. Yeah. Um, and so the teacher just has to supervise, like you were saying, the structure within, there's a freedom within a structure. They can't avoid things that are hard. You know, they can't avoid and only do what they love. They get to do what they love, but they really also are invited to try things that are challenging. Yeah, so not um, all children would do math or English or reading like at once, like they get to choose their tasks in order. Right, like within that morning, they might have one reading assignment, they might have one math and they can go choose whenever they want to or mm. if someone's already doing that lesson, they might choose something else. Mm. Um, but they also learn like we have multiplication and division, which is really advanced, like first and second grade work. Yeah. But a child might be like, I want to do multiplication. And we mm. have to set limits. We're like, well, you're not ready for multiplication yet. We can when you finish these. You know, they have to mm. build up to being able to do multiplication. Mm. But it actually is like dangling a little carrot. <laughs> multiplication thing looks so fun to play with that they'll okay. be willing to do the steps. Yeah. Get you up to that. Well, so that was a question I had. I mean, it sounds very academic, which is not, again, not what I realized. So, but is this, these tasks are really play-based, like the, they're the games. Super, they're super fun. It's not necessarily play-based. It's just so independent and the lessons are so beautiful that you want to explore with them. You want to use your hands. You want to take it out. It like, you step into the classroom and everything looks like something fun to use. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember um, that we had like 
I don't know if this was math or whatever it was, but in primary school, we had these certain wooden blocks that you were allowed to use from time to time and make tessellations. And that was so fun. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what it was teaching me, yeah. probably the number of sides on different shapes and things. But. Yes. And we had that too. You know, there's all that sensorial being able to feel what a sphere looks like and feel what a pyramid looks like and feel the different things of a cube versus a flat square and, um, so it's very conceptualized and visual and hands-on to learn throughout. And mm. there's still like a peace corner where you really can see all the different leaders, thought leaders in photos, and they have like a raking rock garden. So if they're feeling emotional or they're feeling really wound up like they can go to the peace corner and choose different activities that really nourish their brains slow their hands slow their mind um, it also can be a place where if there's a conflict between children like we can go to the peace corner we can talk about what just came up between them so there is a lot of social graces in that older classroom especially because they're learning how to really use their words to create friendships that's great. Very advanced. It is so advanced and yet it's fun. Like none of it is pressure for the child. Like this is what Montessori was saying about sensitive periods of the mind. Like so often parents are taught potty train your child before three. Yes. And Montessori is saying, if you wait until three, they are so smart. They don't want anything to do with practicing to use a toilet. Like you are missing the boat and it's going to be harder. But if mm. you practice potty training at two, when mm. the brain and the mind is ready for this information, mm. it's so much easier. Mm. But nobody is told to try it earlier. You think they're mm. too little. So mm. a lot of the times we're operating with like, a, you know, not enough information as parents. Yes. It's so much different information. Right. I would love to ask you, Janessa, I mean, not everybody's going to choose or have access to Montessori, um, but obviously there's some skills that are transferable, like the way that your teachers interact with the children would be very specific. Um, and I guess it ties in a little bit to the word conscious parenting, I think is starting to be bandied around. Um, and some people are like, what is that? And yeah. It can even come with a bit of an eye roll of like, oh, this word conscious, you know, like it's not mm. to put parents on a pedestal if they're conscious or unconscious. Everyone's doing mm -hmm. their best. But what are the skills that your teachers use to interact with the children and how would they relate to, to parents who are really looking to be more perhaps mindful? Yes. And I love the word mindful. And I actually replace conscious with like presence like being present. So like the difference between a parent and a teacher at our school is that the teacher's 100% job and focus is on the child. And so when you're a parent, sometimes your job is like, but I have to do laundry and I have to cook and I have to do this. So it's a reminder for parents to be more present amidst all their other responsibilities because the teacher's responsibility is to be present. Mm -hmm. for the child and that means like really careful observation of how they're feeling what they're thinking what they're trying to say what they're expressing with their body language like just really seeing like what lights them up what's a little hard for them like being so aware 
And the number one responsibility of a Montessori parent, I mean, a Montessori teacher, is the careful observation of a child. So we watch how they interact with different lessons, with their words, with the children. Um, and so parents who just want to apply this at home, there are going to be tons of resources that we can find about it for how to apply it at home. It is something I'd like to be able to offer myself because I wish the whole world had access mm -hmm. to Montessori. Um, so we'll talk about that at the end because I have yeah. something coming and brewing that's called the Montessori movement that mm -hmm. would help parents have access to this knowledge at mm -hmm. home. Yes. Um, but conscious parenting and present parenting really means like going slower. And that's the biggest thing. Like a child can't learn to put on their shoes if you're rushing to get them to school or rushing to get them to the store or rushing to get, which is most parents, I've been one of them all the time. So the first thing we try to say is like, see about slowing your pace down so that you give the child an opportunity to try to put on their shoes. Mm -hmm. And so often parents are feeding their kids because they know if I put the spoon in their mouth, I know they're eating and I know they're getting their dinner done. And I, but if you don't ever give them a spoon, they're not yet learning and they might miss their mouth more and they might not be as successful and it might take a little longer to eat, but then they're learning how to eat. Mm. Um, and the same thing goes with almost everything, with potty training, um, to really build time into your schedule from 18 months on that children can be invited to try to use the toilet mm -hmm. and just to make space for them to learn these mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. in our otherwise busy day. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I think for words, too, because like we were saying, what's the difference? Like, teachers are trained to really use positive words yes so most parents have gotten caught myself included being like don't do that ah, don't do that like because of a fear or because of like they, you know they don't know another way mm. to stop a behavior and so we say the word don't don't and as soon as you say the word don't the child hears do like it's just <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's kind of funny though. It's so funny. <laughs> so it's literally like retraining your brain yeah. to say it any other way. Like if a child's trying to climb on the table and you don't want them to climb on the table, we'll say, can you keep your feet on the floor? We're going to put our food on the table. Oh. Like, is it okay if we walk on the floor and we use our table for our food and our lessons and we keep it really clean? Right. You know, and so we, we explain why there's a rule mm. and it's usually the only rules are to protect like their self, their friends or their environment. Mm -hmm. So it just sets in like most of the time people don't want to hear like, no, 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 don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Versus like, why? Like the child's going to respect your rules more if they understand why? that there's a purpose for it. Yeah. And I'm thinking like even training yourself to 
think about what you're saying or slow down and okay, what's my reason here? What explanation am I going to give? Like you talk about slowing down to be more present. Just thinking about what you're going to say is going to make you slow down because it's something new. Yes. We're training ourselves. And it doesn't mean we're, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Like that's the best part about it is like, we just, we do our best and we catch ourselves and we keep going. Yeah. I think that's so important there's really no such thing as perfect <laughs> right not even possible so I would love to know on a practical sense if you've got any tips or tricks I know you hold from time to time parent evenings and give them um, some practical tools to take home with yes. them what are some fun little um, magic tricks that parents can have on hand to help with the dynamic yes. at home biggest one that most people have trouble with is like trying to battle the will of a toddler. And I always tell the parents like you cannot win against a toddler. Like you cannot. So stop trying to impose your size, your volume. Like we don't ever talk down to a child, like literally our height speaking down to a littler person like when we have something important to say or anything always we are at the child's level yes and we are looking at their eyes and we are not imposing our size or our volume or our will because you notice some of the parents who just grab their child by the hand and walk them somewhere like because they've like they're fed up they're tired they're not winning like it's just a battle of wills and so we really start to teach parents keeping a really even keel and that's Mm -hmm. the hardest part like keeping your voice the same Mm -hmm. like we're taking a bath or you have five minutes to take a bath but that's it like it's no options we have this and this but it's not we're taking a bath your voice and your energy doesn't shift It's like a really calming certainty where your child just wants to know they can trust you to lead them without your energy rising and every parent's energy rises. Like the child Mm -hmm. learns how to push your buttons (laughs) until your energy rises and all they're doing by pushing your buttons is begging for you to not rise. Like asking, if I push your buttons, will you stay calm? Will you show me the real way? If I push your buttons, will you hug me instead of yell? Mm -hmm. You know, so there's such a way of recognizing that like we think they're challenging you, but they are, they're challenging you to grow into a better human. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These children are asking you to calm your own nervous system. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the tricks that you were saying is like, I tell parents to start meditating. If they've never done it before, meditate with your child. Like if your child seems to be wound up, it's most likely because you are also wound up. And they that was feel your personal your, experience, wasn't it, with your It was, daughter. yes. It definitely was my personal experience with my daughter. And she is the reason why I started meditating and we haven't stopped. Mm-hmm. And it has been and become like a household word that we know when we need to find our own center and we know when we need to like step away 
from each other to like collect ourselves or breathe. And that can even happen between siblings. Like my middle daughter now needs a little space sometimes from her little sister and Mm -hmm. she can ask for that space. So I think when we come back to conscious parenting, it's recognizing like even within the family dynamic, everyone has needs. And so we have to sometimes honor that that middle child sometimes needs a break from the little sister. And if she's asking for that, we can help honor that within her. So it's really interesting to watch um, how much we can really be present to everybody's needs. Yeah. And can I ask you to expand on that more? Is that your... I guess I've got personal insight here, so I kind of can read into what you were saying there, but your children are empowered to know that that they have a voice and they can speak it and they can speak their needs. How do you empower them to feel comfortable expressing their needs? I think it starts even before they know how to speak. So like toddlers, a lot of the tantrums or the terrible twos that we hear of is because they do not have the language to express their needs. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes it comes out as fits of like energy or anger or screaming, but what they really don't have is language development to say like, I'm exhausted or I'm really hungry or I'm really angry that he took my toy. So Mm -hmm. again, it like comes to like really observing the child because you can minimize so much of their emotional trauma I like seeing what they need and understanding their nonverbal cues. So like when you build that foundation of trust, you're saying, I see you're frustrated. I see you're upset right now. So you're already, before they have the words to say, I'm frustrated, I'm angry. Like we can acknowledge a child who is frustrated we can see how their body is responding to stimuli I see you're so it looks like you're so tired right now are Mm. you you know like are you really hungry like acknowledging what their emotions are before they can speak so that when they are now old enough to speak they've already heard you say frustrated tired sad angry they've already understood and like our toddler circle time does talk about emotions. We show pictures Mm. of what excited feels like, what sad feels like, what Mm. happy feels like, so that they start to understand they have huge emotions in a tiny little body. And we give them the words to understand these emotions so that then they can say, I'm angry right now, you know? (laughs) Then they start to express themselves with the words that we've helped them cultivate through this language development. And then we allow that to keep going on. I see you're angry. I'm so sorry you're angry right now, but we do have to wash your hands. I know you don't want to wash your hands and that makes you angry, but if we're going to have lunch, we're going to go wash our hands. So we can acknowledge what they feel like, but Mm -hmm. we still have to set really healthy boundaries that they might not like it, but we're going to go do it anyway. You know, and so... (laughs) And so that's a big tip for parents too. It's just like children are much more likely to comply with your wishes when you acknowledge that they don't want to put their toys away to go take a bath right now. Yeah. Right? Like I see you really are having fun with your toys, but we have two minutes and then it's bath time. 
right? Like yeah. you have to like acknowledge that they're a whole human having a fun experience and you're trying to like tell them to do something else. Yeah. So it really is just recognizing them as a whole person and acknowledging where they're at by careful observation of what they're focusing on right then. Mm. Um, so that does just like really open up a level of trust that like mm. they see you see them. They see you <laughs> understand where they're coming from so that then they're able to express, I really don't want to take a bath right now. I'm fine being dirty, you know, and then you can have a conversation <laughs> about, is it okay to pick this battle or do we take a bath tomorrow? Like, is every other day okay for a bath or does it have to be every night? You know, parents will start to choose which battle they want to, yeah, which path. <laughs> exactly. Um, it made me laugh when you talk about like not having words for your emotions. So yes. even me now, sometimes I'll just like be so emotional or sad or I'll just be crying and then I'm like oh hang on I'm tired like it'll be the end of the day and it's the evening and right I honestly have learned to be like oh I actually don't need to explain myself to it because my my go-to will be like I need to talk this out and I've learned to be like oh I'm just tired like it's so funny that I've Yes, which is beautiful. And it is a part of a structure that like children too, like, well, when did they nap last? Like, are they throwing a temper because they haven't eaten in five hours? Like, are you observing enough to recognize that this meltdown might be that they're just really hungry, <laughs> you know, so it's really being aware for them, like you're old enough to recognize how you feel, but they may not know like mm -hmm. what they're expressing is linked to. I actually really am starving. <laughs> and it's so, yeah, it's so true because for a long time, I did not know that it meant I was tired until, you know, it had happened really enough right. they started to see the pattern. I'd wake up and feel amazing and be like, wow, I really let myself spiral there. But anyway, yes. Um, this information is, is just so invaluable. Um, and obviously it's a lot about like slowing down, being patient, and that's really hard when we do live in a busy world and we have jobs and responsibilities and maybe more than one child and family to look after. So how do you, as a, or how do you tell your parents to balance self-care and their own needs with striving to, to meet their child's needs in the way that we've discussed? I think the biggest thing is like, where's their breath? You know, if they're rushing from work, are they remembering to even breathe? Like they, I have parents say like, I literally am like rushing from work to get to daycare, which is me like to pick up the kids at six o'clock. It's dinner time. They're hungry. There's rush hour traffic. And so then the child like decides to start crying in the car because like, you know, mm -hmm. there's just this energy. And so then it becomes apparent like, they're at wit's end. They're already tired from their work day. They like mm. can't hear the child in the backseat freaking out or scream. Like it's like the worst case scenario mm. and the child's happy all day at school, but you <laughs> put them at the end of the day where everyone's cranky and tired. So it's back to how do I calm my own nervous system before even engaging with my child? Like, can I 
And sometimes they're driving in traffic, they're driving in frustrating circumstances. So it's like, how do I learn to heal my own body? Like while I'm driving in traffic to pick up my kid after a long day's work, how am I going to recharge? How am I going to restore myself through my breath, through good music, through any little tool that you can use in the car Mm -hmm. so that when you, you know, navigate to home, are you still feeling peaceful? Because a lot of, depending on the age of the child, like my kids know all my different breaths. Like, mom, is that your angry breath? Is that your meditative breath? You know, like, mom, is that like happy? Like, because I want to pause and I want to breathe deeply Mm -hmm. and I want to collect myself and it's the one thing we never are trained to do and I don't know if I would have been trained to do it if I didn't focus on yoga as such a big part of my life mm-hmm. where I really learn to breathe mm-hmm. and it's the simplest way to calm yourself and so even breathing with your child like I tell the children to inhale they put up two fingers and you inhale a flower And you blow out a candle. And you inhale a flower. And you blow out a candle. So again, like parents should practice. They can practice with their kids or they can pass it off on teaching their kids when really they're the ones that need to inhale the flower and blow out the candle Mm -hmm. to get their body reset, to really be present and be happy. So learning those tools to shift your energy and sometimes and they're different for everyone. Yeah. What works for you? And, and it really depends on your structure. Are you married? Do you have someone to support you? If you know you're feeling out of balance and unharmonious, can you tell your partner, could you watch them for 15 minutes while I go for a really fast run? Could you be with them while I take a quick shower so I can decompress and be present? And then you can like, how do you share your responsibilities? Because so often they don't make simple adjustments to take like, wow, 10 minutes, 20 minutes to really recenter versus you both being home, both being together and both being wound up. Find the space for yourself mm-hmm. to really heal your own mind, body, spirit, so that when you're present with your child, you're feeling centered and you're feeling mm-hmm. happy and you're feeling mm-hmm. nourished. So yeah, it looks different for everybody. Some people are runners. Some people want to get to yoga. Some people just want to have a 20 minute guided meditation on some people want to get their nails done for 45 minutes. Like whatever is the trick to like nourish and nurture yourself. It's a hundred percent good. And most often parents feel so guilty about it, like guilty about working all day and then leaving their child guilty about working all day and then going to exercise. I know I had that, like, I can't leave them again, like to go work out. That's so selfish. And it's like, no, it's like the most unselfish thing you can do is to be a happy, balanced parent. Yeah. And if that means exercising after a long day at daycare, exercise. Because the quality, not quantity, is going to be what they remember forever. Such a good point. And for the parents who don't have support... If you're about to pick up your child, 10 deep breaths can take literally one minute 
And that yeah. could change things so significantly. Or like you said, learning to invite your child to meditate with you. And it's obviously not going to look perfect, but yeah. it's like setting that intention that we're going to stop for a minute and take some deep breaths together. And children shockingly will love to meditate with you because they just want to be with you. So what mm. meditating looked like for me with a little child was that they might want to cuddle on the rocking chair with me and I rock them or they sit on my lap while we listen to like the Bluetooth thing where it's like this calming, beautiful, and they're just realizing that meditating means quality time with mommy breathing deeply and peacefully. Yeah. So you really are, um, surprised how easy they will adapt to it and actually enjoy it mm. so much just because of your presence and mm. your calming presence. Mm. Um, another thing for like moms that are busy and don't have support is like depending on the age, like nature heals. So even if you have to be alone, can you be alone at the park where they're in a swing and they might be having fun pushing them, but you're breathing in nature and you're outside flourishing while you're with them. Or are they of the age that they enjoy stroller rides so that literally those are containers that once in a while, like let them be in the stroller, go on a nice <laughs> long walk and literally nourish yourself. So yeah, um, yeah there's just spaces to really create for you and the child to just thrive. Mm -hmm. So on the topic of putting yourself first, which can be excruciating just to hear for parents, I know, mm -hmm. but on the topic of filling your own cup so that you can continue to show up for them, what modalities and um, tools do you use, Janessa, to make yourself feel amazing and to unpack what's winding you up? You know what I love that I've received is that as I was learning to take care of myself, I immediately offered the exact same tools to my children. So that like what made me feel good was meditation at first. And so I offered that to my children so that they knew it was available to them if they ever needed it. And then I loved crystals and like I love to be able to just sit and hold crystals or go to the crystal shop and pick a new crystal and like I immediately offered that to my children and then I loved Reiki and I learned Reiki one and Reiki two and Reiki master and then I immediately offered that to my children so that I know that I can do it for me but I'm also showing them how I'm taking care of myself so that their toolbox is full way before they grow up you know, I didn't have a full tool toolbox as a child. I didn't have a full tool toolbox as a college student. I literally learned it as a parent, how mm -hmm. to take care of myself. And so now I'm saying, let's not wait. Let's not do that. Let's show them right away. Because some of the other things I love is there's something called network spinal analysis. And it's a form of chiropractic, but it's no touch. It's a really energetic chiropractic. Um, and I bring my kids. So like it's 10 minutes of bliss to me where my body and my emotional body and my nervous system all realigns and my spine realigns and like me and the kids all go together. So there is a little luxury to that. Not everyone can afford it. I don't know that it's covered by insurance, but it's super nourishing and it keeps our immune system up and our physical bodies up. So 
I just love offering them everything that really feels good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that you do for play that don't cost anything. I think that's really worth mentioning. Yes. Oh, and the things for play, I mean, whatever the kids love, I started loving again. Like we skateboard and I skateboard with them. If we swim, I swim with them. If we go to the ocean, like where you have our boogie boards and our tubes and all our things to just play, Um, even at the beach, the soccer, the football, you know, hula hooping, all the things that just are playful are really fun for adults and we forget to play. Mm-hmm. Um, even the trampoline. I remember like I got the trampoline for the kids and I never once got on it. And then I got on, I'm like, wow, this is actually really fun. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's just remembering that we have inner children and that we deserve to play too. And it is something that the kids love is to get to play with you and not all the time because parents are a different age and do have different energy levels. And so the kids definitely can play more than parents, but to be able to participate in it is like lights up your life and brings you more joy and energy than you can imagine. Mm. Yeah. I'm so excited to share with everyone your passion projects and your next projects. Can you share what's on your heart in this space? Yes. Um, The lighthouse to me was me really coming into my own strength and recognizing that like there is a light within me that shines for all the world to see. And that is a new feeling to me because it used to be that I either was shyer or was hiding or was just not acknowledging my worth. And so to be the lighthouse really means that I now acknowledge my worth. I acknowledge my self-love and I acknowledge the gift that I can be to the world just by being me. And then to be the lighthouse is also to invite everyone else into their own light to really acknowledge that everyone is gifted and everyone has unique and powerful gifts. So in the lighthouse, I get to shine where I can help and assist and serve others, but I also direct the light to everyone who has a really special gift so that anyone who comes to the lighthouse can find what really suits them to like grow and expand and evolve and heal in any topic that really might be triggering to them, you know, and it could be how we move or how we eat or how we meditate or how we parent that the list goes on and on about what kind of triggers come up in our day-to-day life. And all of them can be, accessed and supported and nurtured and healed through the lighthouse Mm -hmm. so it's really brought everything I love under one roof like to have Mm -hmm. Reiki and to have meditation and to have angel oracle readings and to have cacao ceremonies it's just a hub of love like to come and fill your cup and be so nourished so that you can go back out into the world and shine brightly Mm -hmm. So it feels like a retreat space. Um, And then it has a subcategory of like a magic school for kids because I really do want children to keep thriving like way past zero to six. I want that next age group to keep thriving and that middle school age where my son is to keep thriving and to really be seen and loved and supported each step of the way. Yeah. And so it's an online space at the moment. 
we find you via yes. your website exactly so right now the online space is www.thelighthousefl.com mm -hmm. and you can receive everything there so that online offerings yes it's online offerings and again it's based on category of what somebody's seeking they're going to be able to see easily what they're looking for and how yeah. to find it Mm, I love that. Like the lighthouse is just the perfect term for you because you you just stand in love. You know, somebody comes to you, I know for me, I'm like feeling wound up about something or I want advice. You're always just like, how can you love yourself in this situation? Or how can you come back to your breath? And it, it, you're kind of that constant that helps me come back to my centre then even when perhaps i just know that i'm complaining a bit to indulge myself <laughs> um we're all entitled right Nobody yes yes anyway um but you have a definite gift in in bringing people together and um recognizing the gifts in others so um i think it's beautiful that you are bringing together these modalities that you've gone out and learned from different people um, is it going to be yourself teaching all of the classes or do you have guests joining you yeah they'll definitely be guest speakers so the things that are in my wheelhouse that I feel are my unique gifts to the world I will be sharing and the other gifts that I know I've encountered throughout my journey I'm going to invite them in to really shine mm. a light on their own gifts so that everybody um, gets to receive from all these like really magical epic beings who mm. have found their unique gifts. And so examples, you'll have like say classes on um, present parenting with presents. You, you have a Reiki qualification. You, um, you know how to play the crystal sound bowls. Are they the right ones? Yes. yes. Yep. Oh, You're a it. qualified yoga teacher you were an ex-lawyer who turned Montessori school owner. So you've got a business background as well. I mean, it's not yes. like it's rooted in the practical, which I think is really, I think that's a great thing for a lot of people who are new to perhaps the spiritual world and they're like, yeah, is this a bit, you know, we were like, does this really apply to my life when I have lived my life in the business world? So you're able to help. Um, I guess, bridge the gap and show people that it is a transition that you can make. Yes, for sure. And I think mm -hmm. that's a really big part of this life experience for me is to know that like spirituality is so present in earthly things. Everything that we do and touch can be so amazing. Even if it's being a lawyer, like we can shine a light on that gift as long as we're connected to our heart and to our passion of like how we want to live. We get to live with a new vibrancy and an excitement and a joy that that's the part I want the lighthouse to kind of unravel in people is we're not just living to live. Like we got to get out of the rat race of just Day and that's what sometimes parents find the day in, the day out, the go to work, the come home, the eat dinner, the go to bed, the do it all over again. Like, are they really thriving? Mm. Are they really feeling lit up to mm. live? Because that's the role model I want to be for my children. Like, that's mm. where I want to sit so that they always are choosing to live with like a vitality and a vibrance that sometimes is missing from the rest of the world so can I ask you Janessa what advice would you give to your 18 year old self 
And the reason I say 18 is because it was the age where I think, you know, if you stayed in school, you're finishing school and you're really choosing consciously or unconsciously your next steps to create your life. Yeah. What would your advice be and would you have changed your path? Wow. It's a big loaded question, I feel, because on the one hand, every piece of my life led me here. Mm -hmm. So I would never change one piece of where I was, even if it wasn't of the highest good for me, because Mm -hmm. the first funny answer that popped in my mind is don't drink so much. Because (laughs) (laughs) Because in college, like that was the idea of freedom. I left high school, I left my parents, and I had this ability to be able to go to bars and drink even underage because it wasn't Mm. 21 but it really wasn't of my highest and so Mm -hmm. that was my funny first response is like don't drink so much but what I you wouldn't have listened to yourself though I wouldn't right and really it was meant to serve me on my journey so like I can't change these patterns that let me become me um but I remember in my memoir like in my book I also was like I was beautiful and I never knew it Mm -hmm. and I didn't think highly of myself and I always wanted someone else to tell me I was beautiful whether it be my parents or my grandma or a boyfriend like I wanted somebody outside of myself to tell me that I was beautiful and so my thing would be like you're beautiful and no one needs to tell you that but you like you're the only one Mm -hmm. that matters um, yeah. but the other piece about just like your career path and life, like I went to school thinking I was going to be a doctor because I was told you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Like, I mean, that's the only two ways to make money unless if you're a professional athlete. So I literally went to school. That's so funny. For- Dr. Lawyer athlete. Right. I mean, and by the way, Janessa like, was very gifted at sports. So that was like yeah. probably not too much of a long shot. Right. I actually wanted that too. Um, And so I started going for med school and then I switched in the last year and ended up going to law school, but I didn't know to follow what lights me up. Yeah. I knew to follow the money Mm -hmm. and that is the thing I would flip. And that's what I'm telling my children is that the money's going to come when your heart is lit up and on fire with passion and excitement and joy. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, the direction. But again, would I change that I went to law school? Has it helped me in my life? You know, like it's Mm. still all a beautiful part of my journey to have done what I've done. So wherever you are is absolutely perfect. And it's all unfolding into a beautiful new you. Well, that was amazing. I have learned so much about the development of children and I was going to say parenting even though I'm not a parent thank you so much for sharing your wisdom Janessa of course and I love to do it I absolutely do hope that this Montessori movement takes over so that all parents feel like fully equipped to honor the child and help them thrive and in turn, it really is a life lesson for themselves. Like what you learned today was a practical for you and it's practical for every child around the world. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to link your website and your social media um, in the show notes. So anybody who would like to um, 
perhaps engage with Janessa for a practice. Um, what was it? A parenting with presence parenting class. With presence. Yeah. yeah, or anything else we've discussed. You can just go and look her up. She's amazing. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And I adore you. This was so fun. Yeah, loved it. Love, love chatting with you. All right. See you next time. Thanks for being with me today, guys. I'm so grateful and I hope that you learned something new. Please feel free to pass the episode on to family, friends, colleagues, anyone you think that would really enjoy and benefit from the information. And if you so feel called, I would love for you to subscribe and leave an honest and heartfelt review. As I've learned, it helps me reach more people and I'm really just all about reaching the right people. So have a wonderful day and can't wait to see you next time.